mighty save. Amen.
Jesus. Shine your light and let the whole world see. Sing it for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light and let the whole world see. Sing it for the glory of the risen King. All right, everyone, good morning. Good to see some new eyes here today. So we get to see that. So for some of you, it's the first time you've been back since we're back, right? And uh, you can see a lot of stuff has been done here, and we're thankful to worship with God. We're just going to open with prayer today and continue to just celebrate just being together once again. Um, so let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today. We give you thanks and praise for who you are. Um, as God, we know there is so much in our world, in our, in our lives, and in our communities. We just ask that your Holy Spirit just fill this place, that those things that we uh, struggle with, um, that we will just trust in you, and that you'll, get, you'll let us just set aside all our worries and our concerns today. As we talk about that great thing called enough complaining today, we're going to go ahead and just uh, set that aside and give glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone, stand up. You know the rules. you got mask on. I don't know what you're doing. So, you can right. dance.
good to have live feedback. Tell you. Oh, wait. 
you, Jesus. We just praise you that we can just recognize that we don't have to fear the wars that are going on out here. We don't have to fear anything because, God, our help comes from you. And it may seem like you're delaying in our time, but you're always right on time. And, and God, we're glad that you're here with us during this time here t today, during this moment, that you're going to speak to us your words. And God, we give you praise as you are our refuge and strength, and you are a mighty, mighty God. And all God's children are thrilled to worship you and say amen. Amen. You can have a seat. <laughs> When your car is broken too, there's only one thing you wanna do. Open your mouth and let it spew. But I am telling you, stay positive. When you're baking a cake for your family, and your kids are hopped up on caffeine, your fluffy cake is now kinda lean. Remember, don't be mean, stay positive. bank account is close to red you want to cry yourself to bed it could be worse you could be dead remember what i said stay positive the positively new normal anybody i know some people are tired of hearing the new normal um we want we missed the old normal, but when we were back in the old normal, we were complaining about it. So that's a good message today, right, about complaining. And you knew what it was, and you still came. Awesome. So um, just want to touch on a couple things with our prayer uh, concerns. We're going to start with those right off the bat today um, before we begin and give just a few announcements. Not many, but just a couple announcements to go ahead and continue um, with our series. So the one... Uh, prayer request that I saw that did come in. Again, we're still praying for people with COVID, praying for no spikes and all those kind of things. Great news this week for our state, um, the best in the country from what we heard. So um, Governor Hogan, and as some, he now has a nickname, Lockdown Larry. Many heard that. So, hey, but it's working. So we thank God for that. And we, uh, I know we, uh, there's been some good news at Calvert and at Union Hospital that COVID is disappearing from those places. And it has been tragic uh, for many people. So do not forget that. And we're not out of the woods yet, but let's continue to pray for that. But um, we did receive a prayer request from uh, Christine Killo, a prayer for her friend Cindy, who found out she, that she had breast cancer and she thought she had it beat. It returned and is in both breasts, and she will have to have a full double mastectomy. So be praying for her as she has a long road to recovery and everything that goes with that. And again, as we all know, um, just continue to pray for our country, um, immediately our country and our world. And just, um, just, uh, it just seems like just when you think it, things can't get any crazier, it does, right? And so we just, um, there's, there's a lot that we don't have, uh, I don't have, begin to have scratched the surface and have the answers to, but I know who does, and his name is Jesus, and we just want to ask him to come and lift us up in, in, in his arms. And so we'll finish today. Yeah, it's Patty. Oh, yeah. I did see somebody who was missing, a young lady, and they're looking for her, so please pray for her. Okay, so that doesn't sound good, so we, want, we just pray that she will be found in everything. Um, there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will finish with our Unite 714 uh, prayer, which is week 13, and we are week 14 of this uh, transitioning back in. So let's pray. Um, gracious God, we come to you today. We want to lift up. Um, we want to thank you as we've been praying for so long for 
COVID to be eradicated, and we're beginning to see signs, maybe not of eradication, but of, of lowering that curve. And we pray for no, uh, no spikes in this. And uh, we've never missed normal so much, God. And so we thank you for your presence and for the medical staff and everybody else, um, scientists and everybody who, who is on the front lines of this. Uh, Lord, we want to lift up uh, the girl who's missing. Uh, you, you know where she is, and we just pray, Lord, that um, that she will be found safe and will trust in you and all these things. For Christine Killo's friend, Cindy, um, God, we know that that is a complete jolt to her life, and um, it is, and that's just minuscule in saying that. So what we ask God is that you touch her, be with her, uh, guide her, um, be with her family and friends as they minister um, love and care to her during this long uh, road re- to recovery. And, and as we mentioned, prayer for our country. As God, um, we just need to have your peace in the midst of all this. And now we'll pray as we read a couple scriptures and pray our prayer from Unite uh, 714. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. From Joel chapter 2. And from Acts chapter 2, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days will I pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out. Leaping like calves from the stall. And that is from Malachi 4, 2. And from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that shall not be shaken. And thus, let us offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace today. And we are mindful of your ancient promise to pour out your spirit on all flesh. This promise was fulfilled in the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, which we just recently celebrated. But history bears witness to the fact that countless times through flesh outpourings of your Holy Spirit, you have revived your church and saved the lost. Our economies have been impacted by the pandemic and our nations have been shattered, yet there is a great promise hidden in this pain because the nations of the world have been ripened for harvest. And so we ask for revival and harvest to come through a fresh outpouring of your Spirit like the one we see in the book of Joel and on the day of Pentecost. Lord, we cry out for your church to be revived. We ask for millions to be saved as you bring a spiritual awakening to the nations of the earth. And so today, in all of your care for all the people of the world, for it is all-encompassing and love and care that extends to the spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, and material needs of every human on our planet. Knowing that your omniscient eye misses nothing, we ask you to heal those who have been affected with COVID-19, Comfort the hearts of those who have suffered loss and heal this broken world. Lord, we boldly come before your throne today asking you to eradicate COVID-19 from the earth, a prayer we've prayed for 12, 13, 14 weeks. And please heal our nations from the ravages of the pandemic. In a time of unprecedented world shaking, we thank you, God, for placing us in the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Fill us with your faith, love, joy, and peace as you refresh and freshly empower us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us to become ambassadors of reconciliation and healing for this world. So Lord, we reject panic and we receive your peace. Empower us to be your witnesses in all our cities and all our nations. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, we give you praise. Amen.
and amen. All right. So today we are going to, um, a couple announcements that we, uh, we do have. I don't think there's a lot going on. One of the things that I do want to share is, although we, we were so thrilled to have this, our small groups are still on hold um, in compliance and other kinds of things with face-to-face. As things begin to open, we will go ahead and do that. Um, obviously, something that's, um, that's been, we've been asked to do in Maryland is working, and so we want to continue to do that. We don't want to jump back in and set us back so far. So continue if you need to, uh, to use um, some form of Zoom or Skype or Microsoft Teams or all those kind of things to go ahead with some things. Please continue to do so at this time, and then we will, trust me, I, I will be the biggest person who is glad that when we get back and we can um, be together. And, um, and you know, we recognize um, we're, we're prepared for communion, meaning that it's not going to be the way it was done before. It's just what we got to do. So that's where we are, and we want to make sure everybody's safe. And so just bear with us there. Again, uh, continue to pray for everybody who is on the front lines, um, and remember that we will also begin our registration again tomorrow morning. Um, pretty simple registration, right? Um, not difficult. And so we're glad that uh, if you have any questions, you can let us know. Um, and pretty easy process coming in. Good. So we wanted to make sure that everybody feels, uh, feels good, okay? Um, today, we are in our second week of the positively new normal. Um, and we are looking at some of you. As I look at this face, I think I've been uh, one, three, and four more than I've been two throughout this entire process. Anybody with me there? Um, this week, I, you know, I, I, sometimes I really don't like when God gives me these like applicable messages that you can look back at your week and see. Because for me, um, I was, there were some very complaining moments that were there creeping at my door this week. And so, um, and whether by hook or crook, you know, that's what ends up happening. But I saw this, someone posted this on, on uh, Facebook as I was scrolling through, and it struck me. He said, I was in the McDonald's drive-thru this morning, and a young lady behind me leaned on her horn because I was taking too long to place my order. Take the high road, I thought to myself. So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with my own. The cashier must have told her what I had done because as we moved up, she leaned out her window and waved to me and mouth, thank you. Obviously, she was embarrassed by her rudeness with my kindness. So when I got to the second window, I showed them both receipts and I took her food too. (laughs) Now she has to go back to the end of the line and start all over. Don't honk your horn at old people. And so somebody shared that. Isn't that great? You're like, oh, that's so nice. And then they took her food and she had to go back to the line. Isn't that awesome? Have you been to some of these lines lately? I think that's hilarious as we see that. But, you know, there's a lot of complaining that we, that we have. And I'll give you the one other joke because I just thought this was humorous. Um, so a lady got on the bus with her baby. And the driver looked at her and said, that is the ugliest baby I have ever in my life seen. Stunned, the woman went and sat down, and she sat down next to a man, and she said, I cannot believe how rude that driver is. I'm, I feel like I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell him off. The man replied, you know, you really should. Let him have it while I hold your little monkey. Okay, I get it. So anyway, all right. You didn't like that one as much. I get it. But anyway, we like to complain. People like to complain. Have you noticed that? Anybody notice that? You can shake your head. You can move. You can breathe. Um, all that kind of good stuff. There are... Over the last several weeks, we have been given a lot to complain about, haven't we? We've been given a lot to be blessed with, but there is a lot that we have that we may have complained about or feel like it. And when I think about complaining in the Bible, I think of the greatest group of complainers known as the Israelites. They hung out with Moses, um, whether Moses wanted it or not. Um, 
And when I think about them, they had God sent 10 plagues, drew, brought them out of Egypt. He uh, had them pass a part of the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land and then drowned Pharaoh's army who was behind them. In the desert when they didn't have food, um, he fed them with manna. If it was in this time, he would have given them toilet paper from heaven. Um, it would have worked. He got, when they were thirsty, he gave them water from a rock um, in the middle of a desert. Their clothes and shoes never worn out, wore out. How many of you had kids in growth spurts over the years and would have loved to that not happen? And no matter what they did, no matter what God did, no matter what miraculous thing he did, the Israelites always perfected one thing, whining, griping, and complaining. At one point, when they got manna from heaven, which is bread on the ground, imagine if you were like, hey, I need some bread, and you walk outside, and there's a wonder loaf laying in the ground. I mean, number one, it would save you a lot of money, and save you, you wouldn't have to wear a mask to go outside and pick up your bread off the ground. And so this was happening, and at one point they said, uh, they got tired of the bread, the manna from heaven. So God gave them quail, laying on the ground. That's all they had to do. Remember when the people were worried about a meat shortage? God, boom, there it is on the ground. You just had to go outside in the morning from your tent. And they said, we've been out here. We've been walking around. It's hot. They're complaining, and they say, and we detest this miserable food, the food from God. And here's what they said. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we say to you, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. In other words, slavery was so wonderful. And if you read Exodus, it wasn't. They were crying out to God. Pharaoh was making it more difficult. But you never get into points like where you're in a situation and you look back and you idealize something that was even worse than the situation that you're in. And that's what they're doing at this point. Said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. And when I started thinking about this, I started saying, man, this is a lot like us. And then Moses says something that is of shock value at first. And if we take it just from the, con not only from the context of the Israelites, but we applied it to our lives, it really jolts us. Moses said, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. You see, Moses had millions of people coming to him with their problems every day. Every day. He had them. His father-in-law said, this ain't good for you. You got to get some people to deal with this. And he had this problem every day. And he said, they ain't grumbling against me. They're grumbling against God. So what if, what if every time we complain about something in our lives, it's not to who we're complaining about. It's not the situation we're complaining about, but we are complaining against God. That's a lot. I'd say God, maybe that's how God looks at this whole complaining thing. That when we complain, we're complaining to him, about him, and, and, and everything. So what I want to do is, it's so easy right now to beat us all over the head with a frying pan and say, we're bad, we complain, we're bad, we're bad, we're bad. That's easy to do. That's, that's, that's easy stuff to do. But what I want to do today is I want to hear the message, the whole message through the lens of my own complaining, and your complaining, and I don't want you to feel guilty about it. Because somebody's asked me, but if I do that, then I'm going to feel guilty for God. I want to tell you something. This is something you can take to the bank if you don't hear anything else. God does not motivate us by guilt. People and Satan do. All right? Guilt is one of Satan's greatest tools. God convicts, but 
doesn't guilt us. So, so if you're dealing with guilt in your life, like many times I have, and, um, and it's been a motivator in a negative way, just recognize and hear this. God is not going to motivate you by guilt, so I'm not either. It's like on your way to church. You may be feeling really bad right now because on your way to church, there was some slow driver in front of you. Mine was 6D73, and I'm going to stop there. I memorized it because they were taking forever up Route 40, and I memorized their license plate, and they were in the fast lane. Correct me, John. The fast lane is for people to pass and go fast, correct? Thank you. I'm right. This person made me furious because it was like they were both like, I'm going to make Jack mad today, and he's going to complain. And I was, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to complain and go talk about complaining. Okay, enough complaining. But that's what happens, how we, how we see that. So you may have had a slow driver. You may have been like, ah, i got to get my mask on. I should have stayed home. Or you might have said, man, temperature readings at the door. And no, oh gosh, no, no snacks at the table anymore. I miss those. When are we going to get back to normal and get some good snacks? So you might have gone through all that stuff. So what I want to do is I want to look at this, not to beat us down, but to say, okay, how can we change some of this in our world and in, in our own lives? And so the first thing, I'm going to ask you some questions. It's going to be kind of like our small group in some areas. Because we're going to talk I'm going to ask you some questions, we're going to talk about some things, and then we're going to go ahead and, we're, and I'm going to give you some educational Greek, and I've also got some very interesting, uh, you know, props here. I'm going to be Gallagher today, all right? So here we go. Um, first thing I want to ask you is, what in your life do you complain about the most? What in your life do you complain about the most? I've known some people who want to be married so badly, wanted to be married so badly, and they can. They can say, oh, look at that person there. They're not serving God. I'm serving God. They, why, why are they married and I'm not? I really want to be married. I want to be married. Then they get married. And then they complain about who they're married to. They don't do this. They don't do that. that you, you know what I mean? Anybody been in these areas? We have that. Um, or uh, it might be that you're, you're, you're complaining that money is too tight. Um, or that your house is too small particularly since you have so many people in it at this moment or have over this time, or that uh, there are too many around. Some people are complaining that during this whole quarantine thing, there are too many faces that I'm looking at during this time. And others may have complained the other way. There's not enough faces around this way. And so either extreme we complain about. It might be that my boss is driving me crazy. And there's now that people have these uh, virtual meetings, um, it's driving me crazy because everybody wants more meetings because we can do it from our home. And I'm going to act like my camera doesn't work and I'm going to sit out by the pool or something like that. You know, these are the things that we do. We get so frustrated more and more. Or we may say, um, my gosh, this Wi-Fi is horrible. It's awful. I need better. Or Netflix, I've seen everything, and I thought Netflix had everything, and there's nothing to watch. I don't care about that. I don't care about these, these uh, billion reasons why of anything anymore. I just want to know, why am I dealing with this? And we complain about it. We complain about it. There's nothing on TV. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I was a huge Springsteen fan, had a song way back when, 57 channels and nothing on. We could say 570 channels and nothing on many times. And we just, or the weather, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too rainy, it's too this, too much pollen too much that. And we're going crazy with all this stuff and we say it. And I'm going to tell you the problem is not the Wi-Fi. The problem is not Netflix does not have enough stuff. The problem is not the people that are there or the businesses. The problem is we are allowing Satan to take our eyes off of Jesus and put it on ourselves. And that is what he's been doing from the beginning time and time again. And so we're going to spend some time in the book of Philippians today, written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul writes this 
from bad circumstances. He writes this while he's in prison. And um, he writes several things. And he really, of anybody, the Apostle Paul really has a right to complain. And if you read everything that he went through. And here's what he writes. Because he has this desire his number one desire after he became a servant of God and a preacher of the gospel was to go to Rome and preach the gospel because he knew if he went to Rome that he would get to the leaders and that could change the entire world. And he was passionate about that. So being a Roman citizen, he could have gone there and he was looking for that and he was planning on that. However, at this time, he goes to Rome in a different way. He doesn't go as a preacher. He goes as a prisoner. He was arrested, and he got to, uh, sent to Rome as a prisoner. And his prison was this. He was in prison for two years. 24 hours a day, he was chained and locked to another guard. They would switch off, probably eight-hour shifts, and they would switch, and they had him locked to Roman guards, and he was possibly facing execution. All right? And he could have said, it's not fair, God. I have been through shipwrecks. I got bit by a snake. I have been beaten. I have been um, yelled at. I have been tortured. I've had all this stuff. Why am I here? I wanted to serve you and wanted to come here. It's got bad food and needs. They, I don't know what they need, but they need to give these prison guards some right guard because they stink. They got bad body odor. You know, I mean, he might be, he's dealing with bad situations. He's laying on the floor. It wasn't great things that existed here. But instead, Paul says this in verse uh, 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling, complaining, or arguing. You ever get to a verse in scripture where you just hate it? There's mine. Do everything. It's just say, but, but wait, I should be able to. You don't know what my job, you don't know about, but you don't know who I've been locked up with for 14 weeks. You know, and he says, do everything without complaining and grumbling. Everything's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. You see, he says, so that why? So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in this, what does this fit? Warped and crooked generation. Doesn't it sound like Paul is writing to us from maybe Cecil County Detention Center? Doesn't it seem like that? In this crooked and warped generation. Do everything without complaining so that you may be blameless. You see, there's several different reasons why we need to bring that complaining down. There's some practical reasons, and there's a guy who wrote a, uh, wrote a lot and did a lot of studies on it. His name's Dr. Travis uh, Bradbury, if you want to check that out. He wrote um, some books on those things. And he found out some things about reasons to stop complaining. One of those, he said, um, repeated complaining, um, it, wires, it rewires our brain to do more complaining. So when we complain about one thing, our, it, complaining tells our brain to complain more. You ever know somebody who complains about everything? Okay. So if you like, if they come into your house and the temperature is too warm for them, they'll say, man, it's hot in here. And you turn it down a little bit and now I'm cold. You got me a sweater? You know, those kind of things. It's always, it's always something because our brain is wired to that. And one of the things is it is easier to be negative than positive. There's no effort to be negative. Uh, it's just easy to go ahead and do that. I mean, my gosh, just turn on the TV. You got all you need to go ahead and be negative. And then he says what ends up happening is we end up developing what is called a confirmation bias. That our circumstances are based on our preconceived ideas about what our circumstances are. 
So we think it's bad for us, then it's going to be bad for us. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy that we, that we do. And so there's, those are the practical ideas, but I want to spend most of our time today in the spiritual areas that Paul gives to us in the book of Philippians. And also, then we're going to look at some brief benefits of, um, of gratitude. I'm going to zip through some of those. And you can say, so what we learn from Paul is simply this, and from the Bible. If you can change your circumstances, do something about it. You know how many times I've been in a counseling session with someone, or a couple counseling sessions, and the person brings the exact same thing they brought up last year? You know why? Because they've done nothing about it. They had the power to, but they've done nothing about it. If you can change something, do it. Don't just go through life with blinders, um, happy blinders, and say everything's wonderful. Don't go through life just saying I'm helpless in these areas. Don't complain about something. Do it. And I go to the Bible, Nehemiah. Nehemiah came back into Jerusalem and the walls were torn down. And Nehemiah looked at the walls and he said, the walls are torn down. And he could have said, man, it's a shame those walls are torn down. Remember those good old days when we had walls? I wish those walls were built back up. Man, somebody would just build those walls up. There's no walls there. We're open. We need some walls. Remember, remember when, they, when Solomon and them built those walls? And he could have gone through all this kind of stuff. But you know what he did? He started building the walls. And for some of us, we've been complaining about the walls that are down in our lives far too much instead of just starting to build and starting to put some, some together. And so we can learn a lot from Nehemiah in this situation. So that's the first thing. If you can change something, do that. But you say, Jack, but wait a second. There's a lot of other times where I can't do something about it. So if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective about it. Okay? And, that, and you do have power to always do that. Because what you say, what you think... And what you see about it is your perspective, and it creates what you begin to believe about it. And that is so powerful. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. We know Paul's situation. It's bad. It's horrible. He's facing death. He went there to be a preacher. He wanted to go there to be a preacher. He went as a prisoner. And listen to what he says. But even if, I love that statement, but even if, I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is after he writes Paul a prisoner in chains for Christ. And he says, hey, even if I'm being poured out, be glad. Now, right now, everybody's asking a question right now. What is a drink offering? Okay, that's, is everybody asking that question? Because we don't just say, hey, uh, today during offering at the doors, um, give your drink offering. You know, no, we don't, we don't do that. That's not part of our vernacular. But they would have understood exactly what he was talking about. It's a word called spend, spendo that has this whole kind of thing poured out like a drink offering. And what would happen is the priest would go ahead and they would have an altar. They would receive the, uh, the burnt offering in the Old Testament for the Jewish people. They would set it on fire. And when it was nice and burning and going, they would take their most expensive liquid. It could be wine. It could be honey at some times. And what they would do is they, as we would say, or the kids would say, pour one out for the homies. Okay, pour one out for God. They would go ahead, pour it out. And what it would do is go, and it would be this aroma and this offering that would go up before God. That was called a drink offering. So you don't get to drink it, you don't get to take it, but you get to pour it out. It's there for a second, and it's gone. And so Paul is saying, even if I am poured out, even if my life is being 
poured out there. Now, many people said, hey, this, he's thinking about his ultimate martyrdom. I don't believe that because what he, it's, it's an active. He says, even though I am being poured out, it's action. So he says, right now I'm being poured out. You know what he's saying? I got a lot to complain about. I got a lot of struggles right now. I'm, this isn't how I planned this to happen. This isn't the life I wanted. This isn't um, what I planned when I started following Christ. And here I am. Here I am. And he says, even though I'm being poured out, I am going to be glad. I am glad. And I want you to rejoice with me as I'm rejoicing. You see, the change in his perspective that exists there. So how could Paul, in prison, facing possible execution, say he rejoices, wants you to rejoice with him and be glad? Because it's simply this. Paul didn't buy into what Satan does. He's not the center of the story. For him, Jesus is. And Jesus always is. He has his eyes on the right prize. And we're in a time over the last few months where it's been so easy to get ourselves and our focus off of God and get it on us. It's so easy to do because there's so much to distract us. And none of it seems really good right now. Now, we are at a time that I do believe that we need, there is a curve that we need to bend. And that's the curve of complaining. We need to bend that sucker, and we have the power to do it right now. How do we have that? I have the wonder drug that's going to do that, and it's going to do it right away. The thing that bends the curve of complaining is called gratitude. Being thankful for these things. And what does it say in Proverbs 15, uh, 13? A glad heart makes a cheerful face. You know, it's funny. We only see each other's eyes. But you can tell people who are not happy. You see this. If you stood in line behind somebody at the grocery store and you go, they're going to think something's wrong with you in this world. Because there is. Okay? You're not letting the circumstances get you. But a sorrow of, uh, sor- but by sorrow of heart, a spirit is crushed. I tell you, at some points during the last couple weeks, from everything that's big and, every, and even things that are personally small, there have been moments where I've actually used the term that I'm crushed and I'm broken. And you know why? It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had everything to do with what others had done, what, um, what people said to me, how I perceived something. My perception got into a place. And, and so I start dealing with this thing. And I'll tell you, it's very weighty when you deal with that. And you can really believe and get so depressed and down and anxious and, and just say, you know, instead of saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus, like I said, we say, can you please come, Lord, I'm done. You know? In positivepsychology.com, they actually had a, an article about the benefits of gratitude. I'm going to rip through some of these that are here really quickly. One of the things that they said is gratitude releases toxic emotions. Um, and so just, just stuff that you have that is, that is horrific for you. Um, we know about the, uh, the studies on stress and how that actually robs you of health and life. So gratitude um, releases you from that. Gratitude reduces pain, um, mental, physical, and spiritual. They've, they've done so many studies. Gratitude improves, improves your sleep quality. If you feel gr- good about life, how many of you have ever been worried about life or concerned or feel like you have a lot of things to complain? You just lay there and worry about it. Guess what? If, you're, if you look at the gratitude and the good things about what God's given you, you can go right to sleep. Uh, and gratitude also aids in regulating stress, as we said that, and it also reduces anxiety and depression. 
So my question to you now is, what ways do you need gratitude in your life? Because gratitude cures complaining and it brings peace. So let's go back to Paul. Back to Paul. Paul writes in chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Excuse me? He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that everyone out and every to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So here's Paul. He wanted to go, he wanted to be a preacher, he wanted to share them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gets put in jail, he keeps referring himself, he gets sent to, to Rome, so he gets there, but he's a prisoner. He's chained to a guard all day. Doesn't sound like a good thing, does it? But Paul's perspective switched and said, Guess what? I got I got guards all day, 24-7, locked to me. They gotta listen to me. Nothing is better for a preacher than a captive audience. And so he told them, and he said, guess what? I have made my way through the entire palace guard because they're chained to him 24-7 for 365 times 2. And what happened? He got the message of Christ to powerful people in powerful places because of his circumstance that on face value looked horrific, but Paul's perspective switched it around and said, hey, you know what? You know why I'm here, guys? I'm in chains for Christ. Let me tell you about him. And they're probably like, oh my gosh, I got, at first they were probably like, I got to go to that Paul guy again. He's going to talk about that Jesus. And I got, uh, go, it's your turn. He's like, okay, Jesus. And it began to affect them when they saw this guy in the worst predicament and situation, not complaining, but praising God. So one of the things that we see is we have no idea how what others see as negative that God will use as an opportunity to advance his gospel. It's like the old preacher said, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. And so what we see is, is Paul is saying, I'm still here, I'm still standing, I still have breath, and we can add that too, and God must have a purpose, a plan, or an assignment for me to do in the midst of this. So what are you chained to in life? What are you chained to that, that others are looking at as being a horrific situation, but God? But if you allow God to take your perspective and you change it a little bit, is it your job? Is it your health issue? Is it your relational challenge? There have been several things in my life that I've been chained to, and I tell you, probably the thing that has been the biggest chain for me over my entire life um, has, has, been, uh, has been the fact of just not feeling good enough. You know, um, to let you know, and a lot of times, and that um, one of the things I've learned about myself and I've learned about others, that humor often covers up a lot of pain. Um, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles had the song, The Tears of a Clown, right? That a lot of times in your life, that when you deal with things inside because of situations way back when and for other things in life, that, that often that they, they place, that there's, there's something that, that may have happened or something that may have caused at a time in your life to really make you believe that no matter what you do, you're never good enough. And I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody. I'm just sharing some story here. And it is tough to just say that. Um, times I've had people close to me say, hey, I wish you would see yourself as others do. And one of the things I struggle with, I'm never, I, I feel like it many times, without God in the right perspective, I will never do that. And that is a struggle for me each and every day in my life. And somebody else may feel that too. And so I'm chained to that in my life. It's not something I love to tell people, hey, I don't feel good enough most of my life for anything. I don't feel like a good enough father, husband, pastor, um, professor, friend, anything. That's ingrained into my life. Okay? And so I could get really 
uh, I could get really depressed, feel really guilty. I could go ahead and, and uh, seek pity in that stuff. But the main thing is I want to check my perspective that regardless of how I think about me, I've got to not keep my eyes on who Jack thinks he is. I've got to get my eyes on who Jesus says I am. And when you look at who Jesus says you is, it immediately changes your perspective. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is that is an opportunity for me to be chained. And so why am I sharing that? Because something that is a curse to me, that, that is bad from the outside, that is something that I struggle with, I'm sharing today not for you to go, oh, I'm sharing it for you to say that you may not feel good enough, that you may have somebody who told you one thing, or you may have believed that. And the fact is simply this, hey, I'm in the same boat with you. But the good thing is neither one of us are driving the ship because we wouldn't be good enough captains. We've got Jesus driving this thing. And when he says we're getting to the other side, we're getting to the other other side and so although we have these moments of times where we have this we need to recognize that God is in control because even if I feel that God is greater than my even if because when I'm down and when I'm when I'm down to nothing God is up to something if you can do something about it do it get help get counseling I for for 30 plus years I tried to deal with it in my own coping mechanisms. You want to know how good that worked? Not at all. Not at all. And so several years ago, I went ahead and hired a counselor. Totally somebody I would not pick. I picked a, a lady who is probably in her, she might, hopefully she's not listening, she might hit me, maybe 60s, um, who you would think I would have nothing in common. And she has been one of the greatest sources of strength to keep me going in life. Because I do that. You know why I had to? Because I can't do it on my own. That's never what I was created for. But the lie was, hey, you're never going to be good enough anyway, so you might as well not deal with that. So you, if you can do something about it, get help. Somebody says to me, should I get counseling? I say, yes. I used to think of it as a weakness. It's not. It is a powerful thing. Because guess what? You and I are not Jesus Christ. And guess what? Satan is coming at us with every single attack to devour and destroy us. So we need each other. And now we got to be, yeah, now i got to sit on a porch with a mask on six feet apart. But, hey, it works. It works. If you can't do something about the situation and circumstance, change your perspective. Because even if I can't do anything, God can. Paul in chapter 4, let's jump up to chapter 4. He's writing again. And remember he said, hey, don't get worried about my predicament. I rejoice, and I want you to rejoice and be glad with me. Here's what he says in chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord when it's good, rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like you got it all together. No, it says rejoice in the Lord always. Didn't we just sing that song? Always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. Um, remember when you were a kid and your parents said, look at me. Now I'm going to tell you this. Okay, I am going to tell you this. And they say it a couple times. Listen, 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 listen to me. Why do they do that? They want you to hear it. Paul's saying, hey, rejoice, rejoice. He is writing this while he is chained to prisoner to these guards going, hey, rejoice in the Lord always, rejoice in the Lord. So the guards are getting it. Now he's telling the people, like, man, isn't it horrible about Paul? He's like, no, it's great. Rejoice with me. And again, I'm going to say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. In the midst of a prison chained to guards with not, on the floor with the, uh, bad food and all that stuff, he's saying rejoice. God is here with me. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some, some Greek words so you can see what he's really saying here. The term rejoice that he says twice here, because remember he said, even if the circumstance is not whatever, be, rejoice. And what is he saying here? It comes from the word 
uh, kario, which actually, uh, or, which actually means um, to be glad, directly connected to charis, which means grace. Grace is simply God's undeserved love and favor for us. We don't do anything to earn it. We can't, we can't earn it. It's, he gives it to us out of complete love. It's undeserved favor. It's undeserved love, um, for unmerited favor. And so in the middle of COVID quarantine, protest, and division, God is here. In the midst of all this, God is very present. And we lose sight of that time and time again. So we need to rejoice that God is in the midst of all this. He then says, let your gentleness be evident to all. For the Lord is near. Do not be, here's that word, anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, that anxious is one of those things that when you say it, you get anxious. Like I said, are you guys anxious? You go, mm, I wasn't. Right? So anxious, just you feel it when you go there, okay? So do not be anxious about anything. I got a lot to be anxious about, don't you? You can talk about it. But Paul says, nope. Um, but in every situation. So anxious is this word, anxious is the word here, miram nayo, which means to be troubled with cares. But I love this next definition, to be pulled in part, to go to pieces. Okay, so to be pulled apart and... Uh, and yet to go ahead and, and to go to pieces. So this situation of COVID, the division on racial and other lines in our, in our country, in our culture, um, the, the, the personal situations that you may have, your job, your finances, all that stuff may be pulling you completely apart. Your bills, your marriage, you might be worried. You might be anxious about these things. Your kids, you might be anxious. Paul says, but in everything, right? But in everything. What do you do? You pray. You say, you who God, here it is, please. And you have thanksgiving. There's that gratitude that exists there. So that's the first thing that you have there. You have that, that thing. It reminds me of our verse from last week. Remember our verse from last week from Romans chapter 8, which said, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who call him, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everything equals all things, doesn't it? And so how do we do that? With prayer, petition, and this word, thanksgiving. Here it is, thanksgiving here. And it is the word Eucharista. And it's uh, many people particularly if you're more of a Catholic background, you may have heard of the Eucharist. It's the great thanksgiving is what it means. But what's interesting is in the middle of that word, Eucharista, you see the word charis, which is grace. That in the middle of, of this, it means that you're thankful for God's grace. Not only just being thankful that you got stuff, that you're breathing, that you got food, that you have this thing, but that God loves you unconditionally and has his undeserved favor. So Paul is saying, rejoice. And again, I'm going to say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And he's going through and says, and in everything, all things, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God with thanksgiving, with joy for God's grace. Because it doesn't matter the situation if you recognize that no matter what happens here in the situation, God's grace still has you through this. You see, it's the perspective switch. It's a perspective switch. You see, Paul gets it. He gets the fact that God's love is greater than his situation. 
And what happens when you get this? That's verse six, five and six. But you need five and six to get to seven because seven says this, and the peace of God which transcends or passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we want the peace of God, but we don't want to go with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving because our situations get our eyes on us, not on Christ. And so we, if we look at our situations, we can't, sometimes we can't pray because it's too painful because we feel like maybe God has left us. We can't give a petition because we just don't feel like talking to God. You ever been to this point so you don't feel like talking to God? Thanksgiving, are you kidding me? Do you know what situation I'm in? But see, we can't ever get the peace of God unless we do those things first. And it's not about the situation or circumstance. It's about the flipping of the perspective that we have control of. See, we don't have control over every circumstance. I don't have control over COVID. I don't have control over the divide in our country. What I do have control over is my perspective in Christ Jesus. And what does that lead to? Peace. Let's look at this word. Peace. Irene. And you know what's interesting? Remember what I said anxiety was? Remember a pulling apart? Isn't it interesting that the peace is exactly the opposite of what anxious is? Anxious is about pulling apart, falling apart. And peace, this word here means to be joined and tied together. It means to be whole. It means wholeness. It's the exact opposite. So I want to kind of just show you a little, uh, you know, like I said, I, sometimes I like to go ahead and bring some, bring some things out to kind of show you some things. So let's say this is your life. And these are some of the things that you have in your life. And you've had a heck of a time. You've got a lot more things in your life. You guys are getting anxious right now, aren't you? And this is what you're trying to manage in your life. Oh, wait, there's more. So, if you're not moving, you got it under control, right? But you got to get over there. And... And you're worried a little bit, aren't you? Because you know that you're going to come in contact with some things. Look at you all anxious. I see those eyes. And see how everything is not working together? It's not keeping together. Your, your anxiety is going, and then something happens. And that's how we often live our lives. Right? Because we can't keep it all together. But you see, when we change our perspective... When we have the peace of Christ, it brings everything together. So we don't have to worry about it. You know, I can get from here to there because I have the peace of Christ. Like all those things, all those concerns that, are, that, are, that I can't manage myself, I don't have to because it's him that keeps it together. Because all those things I took, I went ahead and I went to him with prayer and said, God, I am broken. I can't deal with this. I went to him and said, please, God, hear my prayer. I went to him and said, thank you for loving me that no matter what happens in these situations, in my health, in my whatever, that I'm going to trust you, and I thank you for that. And he says, all that stuff, Jack, I'm putting together. This is the peace of Christ. And it makes life not easier. It just makes it manageable in things because God's in control. So the... That's, what, that's our life in Christ right there when we have that. Um, 
But in everything, we need to pray and, have, and, and give petition and give thanksgiving. We can't get to verse 7 without verse 6 and living those out. There used to be an old cheesy um, bumper sticker, and it would say, N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. Yeah, it's cheesy, right? We get it. It's an 80s thing, I think. Um, but that was the years of Max Hedrum, so you'll get, and, you know, Spike, Spuds McKenzie, so it was cheesy, right? Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is, it is cheesy, but it's real. When we really know Christ, we can have peace in our lives. When we, and even, we, we know who has it. So where does gratitude come from? Gratitude comes from God's grace. It is an outflowing of the way to peace is, is having gratitude. It's thanksgiving. And that's why in Philippians chapter 4, 8, Paul writes this. Finally, and some of you are so glad now because you're talk, tired of talking about anxiety and you're tired, tired of talking about complaining, that he says after this, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because if I can change my circumstance, I'll change it. But if I can't, then I'll change my perspective on it. Because what we think about transforms our heart. So I want to keep this verse up here, and I want to give you one more illustration. Okay? This is your life. I'll pull this back so everybody gets a good chance to sing. This is your life. This clear, and that's some of my life going there, okay? This is your life right here, and it's pretty good, right? Seems like things are, it's clear, it's good, you got a good focus, and then, all of a sudden, COVID hit. Started to murk it up a little bit more. And then it affected the health of somebody you love. And then you're stuck in a house with a lot of people. And then you're seeing what's going on in our country. And before you know it, this life that was once clear and pure and wonderful, your mind is clouded with all kinds of things. So many things that you begin to see and you're just like, this is not what I planned for at this time. But as the Apostle Paul said in verse 6, prayer and petition, Gratitude and thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And then we start to fill our mind with some other things. We start to go ahead and whatever is true. And you're like, wait a second. It's still bad. Wait, whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, what do you do? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is this. Think about these things. And guess what? The peace of Christ brings it all back together. See what I mean? Isn't that awesome? That's the God we serve. So no matter who you are, what you are, no matter how your life is murked up, 
Fill your mind not on what the world's filling it on because guess what? It ain't working. But what is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Amen? Enough complaining? All right, let's worship the Lord one more time in song here today as I pick up the rest of my life. He looks at me. No, I don't know. It's good to see everybody. I mean, for again, I, I mentioned last week, but it just feels right in here now, doesn't it? I mean, it always did, but it just seems really awesome. I just think God is about ready to do something really amazing in in, in our world, and um, and I think we're going to be even even a larger part of it and those things and. Um, because he's great, isn't he? So I'm going to ask you to stand again. and um, Watch out for the uh, parts of Jack's life on the ground here. Yeah. Trust me, my life will make you uh, fall.
God, I just want to just finish this with just a prayer for everybody who is here. We know that everybody in this place has something that we are worried about, something that's making us anxious, something that's pulling our lives apart. And God, it is just so easy to be drawn into complaining, and I am so guilty of it. Um, and so, Lord, I just hope that you'll help me focus like Paul did, that I can look and say, hey, if I can change my situation, I need to do something about it. If I can't, then i got to change my perspective. And how do I change my perspective? With prayer, petition, and gratitude and thanksgiving to you for the grace that you've given us. Grace is the healing for complaining. And so, God, you bring it all together in your perfect grace and your, and your peace. For that, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, next week's not going to be enough. It's going to be something new. And you'll have to come back next week to see it. Don't forget to register. Again, if you want to give by hand, um, go ahead. And there's a place at the door. Thank you for your continued giving online. That You guys have been awesome. And we are really making impacts for the kingdom. Thank you for all of you. God bless. Uh, virtual hug. There we go. One more thing. Can I tell everybody, if you have Miriam's Table boxes next week, bring them in. We'll wrap that up. We've already, you've already been really great, and we've been able to give a lot of uh, funds. We'll summarize that next week. And then also Paris Foundation is next week. If you're w interested in helping, you can go online to sign, sign up. They need all of the help they can get. Thanks, everybody. All right, again, they're going to be opening the doors here. So thank you all. God bless. Have a great week.